Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Well, hello everybody. Hello to all the congregations and all to those of you who are in prison and watching that. We're having many letters from the prisons requesting the books for the Roman series. So we're really excited that as many prisoners are being involved in this series. We're continuing today looking at the theme of peace and how we can find peace in a stressful world. So a really exciting time that we're going to have during this session. I'd love to start by reading our passage. And if we can turn to Romans 5, verses 1 to 5, we're going to have a look at that. It's going to be on the screen. Or it's going to come up on the slides as well, so you can see that. And I'd love us to speak it out together. So could we stand, and could we actually read these verses together and for all of you online to read these verses and just let's get to grips with what God's going to speak to us about today in Romans. Okay, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us through your word. Lord, that your words will go out and they will bring the return that you have for it, Lord God. We pray a blessing to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If verse right at the beginning, it says, therefore, it means that there's been a lot that's been going on before this point. And we've been talking about uh, lots of different things. And we're going to be looking at that and give a little bit of summary of the journey this, for, this far. And then see what's coming next. See, the journey, we're talking about the fact that we're going almost like up a mountain. And the book of Romans is like climbing a mountain. And there's an ascent that we're coming to. But we have been on a journey. And we've began an, on that journey in the beginning of Romans. I don't know about you, the thought of climbing and going up in an ascent, it made me think about climbing mountains. And I thought to myself, when did I last climb a mountain? And I thought, gosh, I think it must be quite a long time since I've climbed a mountain. And uh, I looked up Movama, if any of you know North Wales, and realized it's a hill. It's not a mountain, so I couldn't get away with that one. And then I thought about when I was actually in Switzerland not so long ago, I didn't actually climb it, I have to confess. There was a wonderful train that took us to the top in a place called Interlaken. I don't know whether you, anybody have been there, but it's a beautiful place called Interlaken. So I thought I'd find a photo of us up in the mountain summit here, if you can see this photo here. So it was a very beautiful place that we came to. It's usually my husband that's on the photos because I'm the one who takes the photos. Now, when we were there in the summer, as we were walking around, we found some cowbells. Now, what do you do when you're in Switzerland and you find 
cowbells. Well, let's take a look at this. I don't think he realized he was being filmed at that moment. <laughs> so mountains can be great places to explore. And Andrew Allerton has shown us like, that we are actually ascending into the book of Romans. And he gave us this image of this mountain. But the points of where we've been thus far, it's a bit like you know the base camp. Where did we start off? We started off with the verses from Romans 1, verse 6, saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That means no hiding. That means that we need to be prepared to speak out about the gospel that means that we need to hold on to the power and believe the power that the gospel has. That means that this gospel is something that we actually rest upon in our life. That's the first place that we started. Then we went to kind of base one. And we talked about that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is not a popular word, but as we were reminded in the rugby world, we do talk about a sin bin. In the world, we don't talk about it a lot, but it's a sin that separates us from God. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same condition. And it's like that condition dominates our world. It dominates our life. And I found a wonderful quote by Rich Vilos. He says, at its core, sin is a failure to love. It's a power that curves us inward. No matter if our physical eyes may be able to gaze upward, our spiritual vision tends to curve horribly in upon itself. And in this stunning self-focus of our attention, we cut out love. St. Augustine said, humanity is in curvatus in sea, curved in on itself. And it's as if we have this self-preoccupation with self, that we turn everything towards ourselves. And when we have that focus of self, we lose out, we miss out on love. Remember the commandments that Jesus said when he was challenged and said, what is the most greatest commandment in the law? He replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all in the, the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. Jesus said it was all about love. And when we sin... We fail to love. We tend to make life about ourselves. We turn it in on ourselves. We've realized from this climb in Romans that this is a condition that all of us have and that we can't rescue ourselves. There's nothing that we can do ourselves in order to have that rescue, in order to have this free gift of righteousness this is what we want. This is what we need. We need a gift from God. 
And Romans 5, verse 1 to 5 say, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul returns to the theme of justification. And when I was in Sunday school and when in, in church, as I grew up, the word justification was described as just as if I'd died. Justification. Just as if it was me that was on that cross. Just as if my sin was paid for. Just as if it was me. Just as if I'd died. Because Christ has covered it for us all. That shedding of the blood that satisfied the price to be paid by Jesus. It paid the price for all of us. And since though we have been justified, just as if I died, by faith, not by works. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by works. We cannot earn it. There's nothing that we can do to attain it. It's not enough that we can actually do to gain this freedom. And yet it can be a false mis misconception that it's all about us and it's all about our efforts and it's all about how good we are. Oh, well, they lived a good life. They were a good person. Maybe they'll get to heaven. But the Bible doesn't talk to us about our worth. It doesn't talk to us about whether we're good enough. It says that we are justified by faith. A friend of mine used to say to me, we were working together on a project, and he used to say, when I get to the pearly gates, they're going to say to me, well, what did you do with your life? I gave you Angie to help, and what did you do? And it was as if they felt that there was this sense of having to prove himself, having to do something good enough, and almost like he'd got this helper by his side to help him live a good life. I kind of thought it was a compliment, but I wasn't quite sure whether it was a compliment that I, he had me to help him out. But because he was always sensed that he had to keep on earning, it left him feeling insecure, fearful, having to prove that he's done enough. Without a revelation of the free gift of justification by faith, we'll always feel like we're falling short. We always feel like we're not good enough. And society will tell us that we're not good enough. Teenagers go through the angst. Adults go through the angst thinking, we're not good enough. Who am I to expect that? You see, the reality is none of us are good enough. It was because of Jesus and it's a free gift that he gives to us that we need to rest upon, that we need to lean upon, that it's this freedom that Jesus has given to us. We could never work hard enough. I feel that I work hard in my job. I do many hours like many of you do and work really hard. And thankfully, the church gives me a gift. It gives me a wage. It gives me money. It's not a free gift. It's kind of an obligation on the charity to give me wages because of the work that I do. But with God, it's not about the wages. It's not about the work that we do that he's paying us. It's a free gift that he gives to us through Jesus. It's incredible. You know, if we think of it in financial terms, 
I've just recently changed our energy supplier and energy company. And there's nothing like it when you change your energy company and they send you an email and say, you have got all your debt paid. And then not only that, you've got credit for the rest of the year to come. Whoa, that feels like a real win. You've paid all the debt and you've got credit in the future as well. And that's how the Bible describes what Jesus has done for us. He's paid the debt and he's credited to us righteousness. He's given it to us on our, on our behalf. He's given credit to us to righteousness. Righteousness is right living with God, right living with people around us. How can we unlock it? How can we get it? By faith. Faith, trust, and belief are the same words in the Greek. By faith, by trust in God. It's a free gift, but we have to trust the person who's giving us the gift. And our trust, our faith in God is what unlocks this gift that is given to us. We have to trust the giver in order to receive. So what can we say about the fact that we have this credited to us? We would say, like David says in Romans 4, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count them again. It causes us to worship. It causes us to be thankful that we are blessed and that no matter what our circumstances, we can say that we are blessed because our sin is not being held against us anymore. And because of that, Romans says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we've gained access through this faith. Peace with God. Peace to know that we're forgiven. Peace to know that whatever we've done wrong isn't being held against us. And God isn't holding it against us. I don't know about you, but... I've had situations where I've fallen out with people, heaven forbid. It does happen, hey? And you feel this sense that they're holding something against you. That not whatever you do, it doesn't feel like there's peace between you. Because of this, this thing that keeps being brought up again, mentioned again, or even thought about again. And sometimes you, when you meet somebody and you know they've got something against you, they don't even have to say anything. You know that they're holding it against you. Well, the good news is that God doesn't do that to us anymore. He says he takes our sin, he takes us far of the east as the way to the west. He's not holding against us. That means we don't have to be fearful before God. He's not holding a stick and he's going to beat us or he's going to like trip us up again and say, that thing that you did, you could never be forgiven. That's not what God says. He says, it's a free gift. You're justified by faith. Therefore, you can have peace with God. Peace that brings a freedom. Peace that can bring a sense of relief. Peace to know that you don't have to hold anything back from God. Peace that God gives us 
which says it's no longer like a judge that kind of like sits in a judgment seat and then says, you're free, you're no guilty, no longer, you're free to go. God isn't like that. He doesn't say like I wiped it off and so off you go, carry on. He says, no, I want now a relationship with you. I want you to come into my presence. I want you to be part of a family. I want you to be part of this family and come and go into my presence. Know that you can freely come. It's great, isn't it, when you go and you meet people who have uh, authority and respect. I had the honor one time of gaining access to some royals. It was exciting to go and see. The, I was meeting the Duke of Edinburgh at the time, um, Prince Philip and Becky, my daughter, and I, we went off to St. James's Palace, and she'd done her gold D of E, and she was getting her award for a gold D of E. And we went off to St. James's Palace, and we dressed up for the occasion, and we felt kind of nervous and excited all at the same time. We entered the palace, and we walked through rooms that had all these memorabilia and swords on the wall and, and uh, various different plaques and things like that. It was all red, all the walls, I remember, and ornate furniture. And uh, we, needed the, we needed the loo. We went off to the toilets, and they sent us to this toilet. And Queen Victoria had put this toilet into the into the palace there it was really wooden and it, with a, a pull flush can you imagine that these days they had one of these things that you pull down for the toilet it was, it was incredible to be in that palace and then when Prince Philip walked in we had to the parents had to sit down the students had to stand up in a row and they he walked along and he chatted to them and he was really friendly to the students there and he asked them how, how many of you got a job now and they had to put their hands up if they had the job. And some of them put their hands up. And they, oh, the rest of you, you're sponging off your parents still, are you? And it's like, it was quite fun. It was quite a memorable moment there to meet Prince Philip. But how much greater is it that we have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And that he wants access with us. He wants a relationship with us. We went for a moment and we were there in his presence. But actually... With Jesus, we can be in his presence at any time. You see, Paul has helped us to see that the gospel has brought to us a change in our legal status. You know, when I got married, I got a marriage certificate. And my legal status changed to a married person. It took a while to get used to signing a new signature. In those days, it was checks that you wrote and you had to sign your name. You had to think really carefully. I'm no longer a Peters. I'm now a Campbell. I have to really think about it hard to write Angie Campbell on those checks. I guess we don't do it quite so often these days. You don't have to write it. But it's a legal change. But who, how many of us know that that marriage certificate is not enough? That doesn't constitute a marriage. A marriage is a relationship that you work on every single day, that you have the benefit of every single day. You see, if it was just about a marriage certificate, it could be like a transaction, that we've done the legalities, but like when you rent a house, you sign the document, it's a transaction. But when you have a marriage, you have a relationship. And that's what it's like with Jesus. With a legal side, we have had that transaction. Our sins have been taken care of for us. And because of that, we can have an ongoing relationship of peace with God. 
peace with God. God isn't a transactional God. He's a transformational God. He wants us to be transformed by his love. He wants us to feel that sense of transformation. He wants us to feel his love, not just know it in our heads, know it in our minds, but know it in our hearts and outwork it and live it every single day. As Philip Yancey says in his book, What's So Amazing a Grace? He says in this quote, God needs humble, which usually means humbled people to accomplish his work. Whatever makes us feel superior to other people, whatever tempts us to convey a sense of superiority, that is gravity, not grace. Humbled for the fact knowing that our sins are forgiven, but humbled knowing that we're no longer in control, knowing that he is the one that is in control, and he wants us to walk through a life of love, not being centered on self, but centered on what he wants and looking outwards to the people around us. We have sufferings in life. And it seems incredible, this beautiful passage of like, the sins are forgiven, God, Jesus has made a way, we have peace with God. And then he says, we glory in our sufferings. You think, why do we talk about sufferings at this point? I was having a happy time, I was feeling great. And now we talk about sufferings. And yet the scripture's telling us that sufferings have a purpose. God uses sufferings. We also glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Our sufferings have purpose. When we suffer, we know that God is in the midst of them. It produces in us perseverance, kind of a determination, a bit of grit, if you like. And over time, it produces something of us in our character. Our character has been described as the sum of all our habits, what we habitually do. And if we habitually lean on God when we're having a tough time, when we're going through suffering, we lean on him. Our roots get deeper in him. We get better rather than bitter. Then God builds something in us, builds this character, builds this perseverance, which leads to us having hope in God. Because that hope says, it happened in the past. God was faithful to me in that situation. He was faithful then. He got me through. He's made me stronger. Therefore, I can believe for him in the future. He has actually made me stronger. He's given me grit. He's given me perseverance. He's built into my character that I can trust God, that I have hope in the future. I have hope in his word. What he says is true and I believe it and I can prove it in my life story. What God has done, I'm going to glory in my sufferings because God has got purpose through my sufferings. I'm not on my own through my sufferings, but he's taking me on a journey through them and there's a purpose for them. I'd love you to watch this video, this testimony now of this lady called Megan, who has a testimony of how God has been with her through her sufferings. Hi. 
I really had a negative outlook on Christianity, on faith. I didn't see the freedom in it at all. In my heart, I was really distant um, from God, but still went to church to keep my parents off my back almost. Summer of 2012, passed my driving test. I was very self-sufficient and independent and thinking that I had it all together. I was driving home one evening um, from a job interview and it had been a rainy day, like um, torrential rain. Wasn't even speeding, um, doing about 35, 40 miles an hour and hit water. The back of the car um, spun round, hit the kerb on the other side, um, spun into the air and the car then barrel rolled, so it just rolled and rolled and rolled. The impact of being thrown around like a ragdoll inside that car gave me very, very severe brain and head injuries as well as multiple um, internal um, organ injuries and bone fractures. Um, and the list of my injuries are just non-survivable, really, to be honest. They told my family to say goodbye to me as they were rushing me down the corridor to theatre because they did not expect me to make it through. I had been showing little signs of waking up um, after about three weeks of nothing. Despite being awake, technically, I, I don't remember that at all. More than actually a memory is just a feeling of complete peace and joy that was alive and God's presence in me. After that initial feeling of peace, um, I felt immense guilt. Having that gift of a, of a second chance when I knew that I didn't deserve it. And I remember communicating this to my mum. You know, who, how's God gonna love me? Like, you know, through the things that I've done. And mum just said, you know, Jesus died on the cross for it all and he, he loves you for who you are. And there is nothing that God won't forgive you for. Knowing God for who he really was, um, that changed everything. There's still one injury that was the least of all the injuries that I had um, that I can still feel my esophagus is narrow um, when I swallow food. I wouldn't change that because it grounds me and keeps me humbled and points me to God and the miracles that he's done. Church, let's stand to our feet today. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. This message has spoken to you today in some way. We would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the C3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.